Welcome to Plain Talk. Plain Talk has over 100 podcasts containing up-to-date information about aviation technologies and pilot experiences for general and business aviation. From home to cockpit to boardroom to personal tech, Plain Talk provides informative information for pilots, industry insiders, and aviation enthusiasts alike. My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 2,100 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years experience in the technology and aviation industries. Well, just want to welcome into the Plane Talk cockpit, Mark Brooks. We're here at uh, the Buttonville Airport in a massive snowstorm, and it's gone like yeti. IFR, not low IFR, Yeti IFR. It's the only thing we see is uh, white. A little bit about uh, uh, Mark. Uh, Mark uh, transitioned from the tech industry after the tech uh, crash uh, in the 2000s into aviation with over 6,700 hours. He's my, my idol flying a thousand hours a year. Mark's a, a class two flight instructor up here in the Great White North. Got his uh, PPL in 1995. Twin uh, IFR rated uh, flight instructor class two, as I said. He gets to fly the best cool airplanes, pistons and turbines. And every now and then one of them turns into a glider, but I'm sure he'll think about actually getting into the glider. Not recently, not not recently, yeah. And um, has been teaching uh, aviation for over 15 years uh, with uh, the folks at Canadian Flyers, beginning at the uh, the Markham Airport and then transitioning to the Buttonville Municipal uh, Airport. He gets to ferry aircraft all over North America. What a cool job. And South America, I might, might add. Mark, what's the furthest ferry flight you've done? Uh, well, I went to Buenos Aires. I took a series to Buenos Aires from Toronto. Uh, brought one back from Brazil. Been down the south side, uh, um, the west side of the uh, Andes, uh, to the you know southern uh, parts of uh, uh, Peru and Chile, and then over the uh, Andes into Buenos Aires. Wow. And why don't you just... Talk to us about your volunteer work. Uh, uh, probably several decades now, I've been volunteering my time uh, with the Flying Club, uh, the Buttonville Flying Club, past president, uh, uh, 2008 to 2011, a volunteer uh, spot. Uh, Young Eagles, uh, COPA for Kids, uh, once a long time ago, uh, Hope, Hope Air Flights. I've uh, been doing uh, a lot of writing recently, too, uh, in support of uh, the need for new aviation infa- infrastructure and working with a group inside the Flying Club uh, called the uh, Friends of uh, Pickering Airport. The kind of roller coaster environment at uh, the Buttonville Municipal Airport, which is a wonderful airport I learned to fly, but with the um, owners and management having this roller coaster of We've sold the airport, or we've, we've, we have sold some of the airport, and we're going to be closing in the near future, and then that turned into, no, we're here to stay for a long time, and then that said, ah, oh, we're just sold 100% out to Cadillac Fairview, and closing this whole roller coaster, but now the latest, of course, 
is uh, the airport's going to be um, knock on wood open for a very long time. But um, that really prompted uh, a group uh, of folks to try to take destiny into their own hands and create a volunteer organization looking at an air park at Pickering to fulfill the federal government's promise that was made decades ago to build another airport in uh, the greater Toronto area. Do you want to just give us a little background on that whole journey? Well, when the uh, announcement came out that the uh, the airport could close in in uh, at some point in the future, uh, back in 2011, uh, I was president of the club at the time, and w- you know we we started thinking about what we could do and. Uh, the business case for the airport here is actually quite strong, and and any new airport uh, in Pickering also has a very strong business case. And so, uh, it was easy enough to find uh, private investors that would be interested in building the airport. And so we proposed building an air park uh, with them completely private money, and uh, that that was a um, you know the what's meant to be a not for a not for profit uh, to give our uh, flight training operations and other. Uh, related businesses, a place to operate out of if Buttonville closed. And GA airplanes. And, and GA, yeah. So this was business and GA. But remember, Buttonville is just a hopping airport at this point. We got turbines, we get jets, flight training, heli- helicopters, everything. Medical, uh, police. And we've had from Cessna 150s to their uh, smaller brothers, uh, Hercules C one C one thirty. Okay, that's yeah, that's a one one way of uh, looking at it. Yes, yeah, so we we've had a number of aircraft over the years, and uh, you know we're the uh, we're the go to uh, airport GA airport for the uh, Toronto area. From a utility point of view, it would be uh, it's hard to phantom how uh, a lot of the activity and actions uh, that are happening here could survive if this airport closed. There's no place for them to go. There's no place to, for instance, open a new flight school in the Toronto area within a uh, you know w- within uh, an hour's com- commute of uh, of the uh, bulk of the population of the GTA. So and that long term that is going to impact uh, the per- the training of commercial pilots which we are desperately short of. And we see you know within the airports in the greater Toronto area as the developers build more residential homes which is a uh, you know another problem that uh, the province has lack of um, affordable housing. So that creates the whole noise impact that we've seen a lot of debate at uh, the Oshawa airport. That's that's correct. So all of the airports, uh, the two ones that we're leaning on right now, which are Oshawa and Buttonville, were cr- designed and laid out before the jet age. And so they don't have international standard overruns. They don't have the runways of the appropriate length. They don't have uh, the noise uh, buffer, the area between residential uh, neighborhoods and the airport itself. And uh, so from a um, a lifestyle point of view, from a health and safety point of view, uh, a new airport, uh, you know, out in Pickering, surrounded by a a purposely uh, designed and built uh, noise buffer (coughs) and something called the phaser, which is the Pickering Airport uh, zoning regulations. 
gives us uh, a huge advantages from a flight training and flight operations point of view. It doesn't mean that Buttonville or Oshawa have to close. Uh, it just means that the type of operations need to be more appropriate to the size and uh, of the of the airport itself. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, the city of Oshawa would agree. They've, they're trying to uh, call flight training activity right now out of Oshawa, unfortunately, in order to reduce the uh, noise. And of course, at uh, at Buttonville, we're on pins and needles as to when the airport might close. Well, and with that said, Pearson, pre-COVID, of course, saw a huge uptick in aircraft inbound, outbound, more passenger activity, more cargo activity, and essentially, you know, maxing, uh, maxing out. How would a, a Pickering International Airport deal with the travel mayhem that we see at Pearson? Well, uh, the, the challenge is now that we're back uh, to uh, 2019 uh, travel levels, and we're looking at growing. We're basically looking at doubling the number of flights uh, in Canada in the next 30 years. The, so, from a worldwide point of view, the uh, the growth, passenger and utility, aviation and cargo, uh, is is on a, a steady growth pattern. For for the primary reason that aviation is the linchpin of the global uh, free market economy that Canada is uh, is a huge part of. And uh, without the capacity to enable that growth, we can be looking forward to years uh, of mayhem like we saw just this last Christmas, where the slightest uh, hiccup, uh, broken uh, uh, luggage belt, uh, a snowstorm, uh, can cause uh, a backup in the system with no capacity to recover from that backup. Uh, and whatever the disruption is caused by, you need capacity not just for day-to-day operations when everything's going perfectly, but for operations so that when there's a disruption, you have the space. Uh, that's both landing slots, terminals, uh, infrastructure to catch up. And it's not just passenger aviation. At this point, a third of Canada's international trade by value goes by air. And uh, so passenger aviation is what the average consumer sees. Behind the scenes, there's something far more important happening in addition to the passenger aviation, which is utility. And all the the airports, uh, Hamilton, Waterloo, City Center, uh, Oshawa, and now the new Pickering Airport have a role to play in increasing the capacity uh, of the GTA as it grows to support that growth. Well, and with that said, the other piece of the, the puzzle is the infrastructure required to get the uh, the staff who work at an international airport to the airport, as you said, during a snowstorm, inclement weather, traffic jams? Uh, you know, just getting to and from uh, Pearson Airport, if you live out in uh, Oshawa at this point, is a challenge. It can be a two-hour experience uh, if the in in bad traffic. Imagine going from Oshawa to Hamilton. As an, as an example. So the, uh, the need is for local accessible aviation capacity uh, and for a whole lot of reasons. And people. And people. And from a training point of view, of course, we need to pretty be producing twice as many commercial pilots as we, as we were pre-19, uh, in pre, pre-COVID. Uh, but instead, we're producing a third uh, and we're losing the capacity to train new pilots, as well as the, um, you know, the opportunities for those careers for, uh, for young men and women that would want to take that as a career path. 
What, what would the economic benefits associated with the development of a uh, Toronto in the in the Toronto uh, East uh, be, for lack of a, a better word? Probably the clearest example of the role of a, a modern airport is Pearson itself. It's now Canada's second largest employment zone. Uh, it, uh, it employs something like 300,000 people. Uh, it creates, uh, you know, it, tens of billions of dollars worth of uh, uh, value every single year, billion dollar plus worth of tax revenue. So if you take uh, Pickering Air- Airport, which initially is going to be aiming to have a quarter of the passenger capacity uh, at, as uh, Pearson, talking about 15 million passengers a, a, a year, uh, cargo uh, operations, and a huge enterprise zone around the airport. So you're talking about 50,000 jobs. And for each one of those jobs that is created at the airport and at in the enterprise zone around the, air, the airport, there's at least one other job created in the associated uh, area. So the economic value of that uh, is uh, something uh, close to uh, $10 billion worth of economic activity to the GDP and a tax revenue of potentially a billion dollars plus. And then we shouldn't forget about the initial employment opportunities for the folks to build the airport. Something like 41,000 man years uh, will be required to build the air, the airport. And depending on the, the design and, and which uh, which. Uh, proposal is accepted, be built in multiple stages uh, between now and 2050. And the first version, uh, in theory, uh, could open in as early as 2028. What would attract businesses to relocate to a new airport uh, in Pickering? Well, you have to understand what's missing now in the Toronto area. And, And one of the things that's missing is accessible commercial land. I'm not talking about office towers and and blue collar work. Sorry, white collar workers here. We're talking about industrial land. Uh, one of the um, the clients I do work for is a transportation company, and uh, they recently uh, leased uh, undeveloped land in and around uh, the Mississauga area to support uh, trucking operations at ten thousand dollars an acre a month. Yikes. Yeah, so stop and think about that. Right now, the Pickering lands the and the enterprise zone uh, that it'll support is being leased out to a handful of, uh, of farmers for $120 an acre a year. So that gives you an idea of the potential development and the value of that land. We're talking about billions of dollars worth of land. And that enterprise zone and uh, supporting the airport uh, also has a huge value to the community of, of around it, not the least of which is it'll cut the property taxes for a resident in Pickering in half. So if you're a homeowner in Pickering, you could expect to see the city double its tax revenue from that enterprise zone, and that'll directly reduce your costs, reduce your uh, property taxes. But that's not just Pickering. It affects the Durham region as well because... Uh, two-thirds of that revenue that's collected by the city of Pickering gets passed up to Durham region and will even affect uh, neighboring uh, areas such as Markham and Stouffville, providing economic value uh, and enabling uh, the development of industrial uh, zones and, and land. So, And remember, that land is set aside and zoned for industrial development. It's not part of the Greenbelt. Why not um, 
invest and expand into the Oshawa Airport instead? Well, one look at the Oshawa Airport tells you why. For starters, they, they looked at expanding the runway and the residents said no. And the reason is, is that Oshawa is surrounded uh, on, by homes. And so in order to expand the Oshawa Airport to the level that would be required, it would basically require the expropriation of thousands of existing homes uh, for at a billion dollars of cost. And it would create an airport in the middle of a city uh, with flight paths directly over most of the major neighborhoods in Oshawa. So major safety and, of course, noise problems. Well, yeah, lifestyle. You're, and you're now imposing on the people of Oshawa uh, is something that was never designed, planned uh, for. The, the design, the plan, was to build an airport in Pickering so that the people in Oshawa uh, and in, in Ajax and other areas would not have to have you know, jets coming over their heads uh, 500 feet up. And practically speaking, what's the longest runway at Oshawa right now? Well, it's 4,400 uh, feet. However, a runway is not just the length. In order to put an ILS in place, instrument landing system, you need at least a 5,000-foot runway. And they, it was proposed that that be done at Oshawa, and it was turned down for the obvious reasons. But the fact is you're not bringing a 747, a Boeing 747 or an Airbus A380 in and out of a 5,000, 4,000-foot runway. No, and and also there's no room there for, uh, you know, international standard overrun areas. And we recently just saw the important need, from a safety point of view, of international standard overrun areas in our air, in our airports. None of the existing or older airports in the Toronto area, and that includes Billy Bishop, that includes Oshawa and Buttonville, have uh, international standard overrun areas. The, the real challenge is, based upon the current congestion at Pearson Airport, based upon the current land in use around the airport, there is not an ability to put more runways in, which is really the only way to increase capacity. Well, you do have to be careful with the capacity issue because capacity is not just about landing slots, although that's an important part of it. And could you add a sixth runway into Pearson? Oh, yes, there actually is a design to put it in, but it would not add that many movements. It would add maybe 12 movements an hour to uh, Pearson and at great cost. At great cost to the airport while the runway is being built, at great cost to the neighborhood and surrounding area because you now have a new, another approach path. Uh, uh, during any sort of inclement weather, uh, even a mild environment, uh, you know, the number of planes landing at Pearson uh, slows down. And then part of the, the trickle-down capacity challenge is ramp space, more gates, more, more infrastructure to handle more passengers like ticketing, TSA, gates, etc., yeah, I mean, a good uh, good example of uh, what would be needed would be what happened at Newark Airport. It was a uh, decade-long rebuild of that airport. It cost tens of billions of dollars, not just for the airport itself, but for the infrastructure around the airport, the roads, uh, the public transit, the, uh, the fuel, getting the fuel systems. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that Pearson's going to have in the future will be the new types of aviation technology that's coming along that are uh, requiring or based on aircraft that are half the size 
of the current one. So the hybrid electric, uh, the new fuels, you know, there's just not the room for that. So we've, we've seen a world where aircraft have increased in size. Now we're seeing a world where the technology is taking us down or back to uh, the 737 style, uh, you know, the, uh, the mid, the, the, the single aisle jets, uh, rather than the huge Airbus 380s. And so the idea that we could simply pump up the size of the air of the aircraft is non is is a non-starter. Uh, Pearson is already uh, one of the worst performing airports in North America. And it's held that uh, that title for years before COVID and it's getting worse. And it's not because it's not well well managed. It is extremely well managed. It is one of the best managed airports in the world. The management team is getting uh, is doing miracles with that airport, but you can only ask so much. You cannot negotiate with the laws of physics, and there are safety standards that have to be met. The Canadian public demands uh, that uh, the operators of the uh, of uh, of the air the airlines and the air and the airport meet. And uh, without additional infrastructure, we will begin to impact those safety standards. Being a, a glass uh, half full kind of guy, once uh, the, the new Pickering Airport opens, what happens to Oshawa? Oshawa can remain open. There's no reason why it has to close. That's sort of a bit of a red herring. Although I, Oshawa City Council has, uh, as I, I guess, indicated their interest in redeveloping that land because it is in the middle of the city, and it is worth a lot of money uh, from its lo- from its location. But it doesn't have to shut down. It can continue to provide the valuable services that it is now, especially from a training point of view. There's two uh, flight schools there, and a lot of independent flight training activity as as well. Of course, the Piper and Diamond dealers are uh, there. Uh, the uh, firm Aviation Unlimited, which I'm privileged to do some work for time by from every now and then, uh, is based at. Uh, Oshawa and has a lot of corporate activity there as as well, and so it uh, it can operate as a profitable airport in conjunction and in coordination with Pickering. Well, sounds like uh, an interesting new opportunity to change the Canadian uh, landscape. How uh, how do you see uh, Mark Brooks fitting into? This uh, Nirvana. Well, uh, so initially, when we started the uh, Pickering uh, Air Park pr- proposal, um, we discovered right away that it wasn't a uh, business case; wasn't the block. It was a political problem, uh, lack of political understanding of av- aviation, lack of uh, lack of vision, really, in terms of how aviation fits in, uh, and so. When that proposal was turned down, uh, we continued inside the club to, to uh, try and figure out the Gordian knot of the Pickering lands uh, and try to uh, highlight the need to get going on the uh, project. And, and there's now a much bigger player that's stepped forward and is, is proposing a much bigger airport than anything that we had envisioned. But along the way, along this path, this, uh, this uh, journey, uh, we've discovered a lot. And so we want to communicate that. We're, we're really volunteering, myself and others are volunteering our knowledge and expertise to communicate what we've discovered. Uh, the rather strange, uh, you know, uh, world of aviation to many, to us is, uh, is the future. And cannot be understated 
the efficiency of a, a, aviation today. It's the most, you know, taking a passenger jet um, from Toronto to Vancouver is the most efficient way uh, from both a, a time, it's the safest, but it's also the most carbon efficient way. And in the not too distant future, that's going to net carbon zero. And so aviation is going to become worldwide the most carbon efficient way to move goods and people anywhere. Uh, and that revolution, if you will, and that's primarily a net uh, zero emissions fuel revolution, uh, which is coming down the uh, pipes at us, uh, will change and transform uh, aviation to an extent that we've, we've, we haven't yet seen. There's a new golden age of aviation coming, and uh, some say it's already here. Uh, and we need to get ready for it. If we're going to maintain economic efficiency, if we're going to uh, maintain a prosperous nation, uh, we need to start training the pilots. We need to uh, understand that aviation is now the cornerstone of our economy. It's the linchpin to the rest of the world for us and the most efficient way of doing things. It's an economic engine and your local airport is now an economic engine for your city, um, for your province, for the country. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being part of uh, the Plain Talk cockpit. Uh, any final words for the audience? Uh, well, uh, our uh, blog, uh, the Friends of Procuring Air Airport, is uh, has more than 110 posts related to the Pickering Air Airport. Uh, it's uh, economic value, uh, its important role in Canada's economy, uh, how it uh, can be built and managed by private investors, and uh, from a, uh, a volunteer point of view, I'm willing, and others are too, to make my time and expertise av av available to communicate the need for new aviation if infrastructure in the Toronto area. And is that www.friendsofpickeringairport? That's Pickering, that's www.pickeringairport.org. Even better. Thank you so much, Mark, and have a wonderful day uh, here in our low IFR environment in uh, Markham. Well, it is why I'm on the ground now. Otherwise, I'd be up flying. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plane Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plane Talk episode, please go to the Contact Us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast. And never stop living the dream.